0: Torah isn't education, it's transformation. This is Chai Chinuch with Rabbi G. 101.9 Chai FM, Chai Chinuch with Rabbi G. We are back Monday, 2 to 3, as we do every week. Uh, had a bit of a break over the holidays and then traveling to Israel, and we are back and up and running. So a lot to chat about today as we get towards the end of the academic and the school year. And in education, so much we need to discuss and talk. And this is what we do on the show. As you know, discuss about anything that's important for our our development, for making ourselves better people, our families, our communities, our country, our society, just to make the world a better place. And this is where we talk about it. This is exactly this space. So anything you'd like to discuss or bring up or raise, uh, please, please feel free. The message at 34519 is the SMS line. And yeah, I'd love to hear from you as we go into the show. Today in my guest today is Dr. Aliza Billman. Dr. Aliza Billman is a psychologist. She's also an associate. She's an EMDR certified therapist and in the association of the EMDR, which is quite um, one of the reasons we're going to be speaking today. And involved in many of the community um, organizations in the community, sometimes as a board member or associates or other works he's been doing in the community. And those of you who are on the groups already thank you for the messages coming in. Um, so those of you that are on the groups know that we said we'll discuss interesting parts of trauma, but beforehand we need to get some kind of un- introduction and understanding so, good afternoon, Dr. Billman. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Okay. So, I actually wanted to have this chat for quite some time. Uh, EMDR is a very big uh, therapy method around the world. EMDR has um, their associates, their, their way of treating people, and they finally opened and launched not long ago the South African division of EMDR, which you're a part of. Let's just start with a bit of understanding what is EMDR.
1: Okay. So when people think of EMDR, so it stands for eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing, which I know is a long name. That's Um, why we
0: call it EMDR.
1: That's right. (laughs) It's actually a poor name. So the way EMDR started was that I believe it was the late, around the, in the eighties, um, a woman by the name of Francine Shapiro was a researcher and she was going through some, some personal Challenges and she, she took a walk. And when she came back, she realized that she was feeling better. And being a researcher, she wanted to try and understand what just happened and how to replicate it so that other, so that she could benefit from it in the future and other people could benefit from it. And what she realized is that she was walking, I believe she was walking down a river and there were trees on either side and she was moving her eyes back and forth. And after doing that, she felt better. So initially, EMDR started out as being a therapy using eye movements, going back and forth with your eyes. But again, as a researcher, there, she, she didn't stop there. She continued doing a lot of work and training and developing the approach. And what they realized is that it wasn't necessarily the eye movements that were, were helping with the, the trauma it was bilateral stimulation of the brain. So stimulating both sides of the brain. So even though it's called eye... Through physical movement? So so I'll explain in a moment. So even though it's c- called um, eye movement desensitization reprocessing, it can also be done um, in a no- number of other ways. So either with eye movements, so often often a client will follow a therapist's fingers back and forth, um, now, with COVID, a lot of people are doing it either online or or with an app where you follow a dot with your eyes and you move your eyes back and forth, um, or with different devices where you follow lights, moving your eyes back and forth. But it can also be done in other ways. There are other ways of stimulating both sides of the brain. So either through tapping, which the therapist can train the client how to do, or or through there's a little machine that... Um, sends a buzz on each side, and and that also stimulates both sides of the brain. Or the therapist can tap the person, or the person can tap themselves. Um, and and the idea behind EMDR is is that we are all we're able to heal by nature. So just like our bodies can heal, so if we get a cut on our hand, our hand tends to heal itself but it might get dirt in it, it might get infected, and we might need something to help restore the healing process, our brains can heal also. So if we experience an extreme stress or extreme trauma, sometimes, instead of healing, we get stuck. And some some people naturally heal from it, um, and some people get stuck. And when I say stuck, I mean they get stuck... They can get stuck with images, like flashbacks. They can get stuck with negative thoughts, like depending on what the experience was, like I'm in danger, I'm not safe, I'm not good enough. Um, and, and they get stuck with emotions and with body sensations. And what the EMDR does is it helps to... First, take the experience and make it more distant. So ultimately, instead of feeling like it's happening now, it feels more like a photo. So when you look at a photo, you can remember what happened, you can remember what the emotion was, what the sensations were, but generally you don't feel it in the moment.
0: So you lower the body reaction to what's happening.
1: Yeah, the body reaction, the how charged it feels in the moment. And then once it's no longer charged, then we work with the the thoughts associated with it. And we switch the negative thought to something more positive. So, for instance, I'm not safe to I am safe or I'm not in control to I now have choices. I'm not good enough. I'm good as I am. Um, and there are any number of, of thoughts that that can be present
0: so you 're really covering when we look at therapy and we look at the three main dimensions that we work on, it, which is our the logic, which generally would be CBT or whatever, but we talk about the logic, the logic, the brain parts, we talk about the emotion, and the body, so EMDR covers pretty much all three all three, and while starting from the body and the physical movement and kind of getting that in, implemented, that will also help. The, um, the logical and emotional work to implement within a person's body.
1: Absolutely. And often there's a disconnect between what someone knows rationally and what they feel emotionally.
0: Okay. So, so this, uh, we can take that uh, comment in a few different directions, but I actually want to ask you about that because one of the things we hear many times is about people who went through trauma. And as the, as we spoke about, we will speak about this today. People went through trauma and they didn't register. It could be trauma at birth. It could be trauma at an older age, but it's a man and he feels like, no, I'm, I'm a man. I never go through trauma or whatever, or I'm fine. I'm good or whatever it is unaware. It could be physical trauma to the body. It could be emotional. It could be mental, whatever it is. Normally when we come in, in a therapeutical talking session, we would try to treat the trauma by the client as a knowing what they experience and discussing it. Can EMDR based on the physical movement and the images and where we're going address in any way any body stress that could have been a result of trauma or anything else that the client doesn't necessarily, isn't necessarily aware of it.
1: Yes. So there are several ways of doing that. It's not the standard protocol, which is the standard way of doing EMDR. Um, But there are ways of starting with the body And just working with the body and working with the the bilateral stimulation of the brain and using that as a starting point to help people um, almost kind of help their bodies decompress. And often when that happens, then they're able to actually notice more of of what what they experienced. Um, Another way of doing it is, for instance, a baby who experienced birth trauma. So, um, I'll take my, my son for instance. So, so he was, when he was born, um, he, he went straight to the neonatal ICU and he was, so he was, he was taken away from me, um, and he was in the neonatal ICU, hooked up to machines and oxygen and getting all sorts of difficult therapies. Um, which were probably really uncomfortable and And he was in there for 16 days for a baby. That's, that's a really long time um, And when he was two there were times when he would just have Irrational outbursts and we took him to EMDR and he was sitting in my on my lap to start. So
0: before we go through the process of how you helped him, but this is definitely what we're speaking about: this trauma that a baby Absolutely. couldn't express and wasn't aware of. So we do, I, I do want to go into these methods of how to treat in different situations more deeply. But we do have to take a, our first ad break, and we'll continue as soon as we come back. In the meantime, any comments, any questions, anybody wants to ask Dr. Billman or you want to know more about this kind of trauma or you're, you know, sometimes our listeners would say I'm living living with someone who refuses to go to help and talk about their emotions. Maybe this could be an option for them. Anything you want to add or comment, please join our conversation at 34519 is a SMS line or a telegram o six one eight nine five one zero one nine Let's say the telegram again: zero six one eight nine five one zero one nine, or SMS line three four five one nine, and a short ad break, and we will be right back. Hi FM, your station of choice since two thousand and eight. One zero one point nine FM. We are back in the middle of a fascinating discussion with Dr. Aliza Bilman, who is a not a psychologist and also a EMDR uh, therapist and we were just dis- discussing how to address different kinds of trauma in the non-conventional way uh, for different reasons but before we go down this discussion and continue this discussion number one I'll remind you any comment anything you'd like to add three four five one nine is the sms line or Telegram 061-895-1019. As well as if you want to get updates ahead of time, who's going to be on this show so you can prepare. If it's a topic that's important to you, that you could learn from, that you could improve your, the w- your way of living, and it's exactly what you need to hear about and you want to know ahead of time so you can plan to be available to listen to the show, send a message to 34519 or Telegram 061-895-1019 and we will send you a link to the group to know ahead of time what's happening. Okay, so back to our discussion, Dr. Alisa Billman. So we we were starting to speak about people who need some kind of trauma therapy or they're going through flashbacks or images, or sometimes they don't see anything, but their surroundings see that something's really going wrong, like you started with your child, and to see what we can do to help them. And I think... As we didn't say, but it, it's very important also for people who don't feel comfortable to talk about their emotions but still need the help. So going back to your child who was separated from you at birth and then when he was two, two years old, you started seeing um, behavior that was uh, um, inappropriate or or problematic and you took him to EMDR and what happened then?
1: So, what happens with with so so let me just backtrack a little bit. Um, okay. generally, with EMDR, the person is aware of their trauma, and we ask them to identify the image associated what 's the scene that represents it, what does it look like, and then identify the negative thought, how they feel about themselves, um, as I mentioned before, like i 'm in danger or i 'm not safe i 'm not in control. The positive thought, and then they rate they they rate the scale, they rate it, um, and how disturbing the memory feels, and where they feel it in their body. But obviously, with with a baby, or with a two year old, they don't have the ability to to first of all to to have the visual image of the memory, and they don't have the cognitive ability to think about the negative thoughts and the emotions. Um, so it's done a bit differently with with that age child. And they're told a story while they're getting the bilateral stimulation. And the story identifies kind of what happened to them, what it may have been like for them. So for instance, you know, it could have been really scary and really frightening for them to be you know just come into this world and then be taken away from from their mother their primary caregiver who they, they don't know anything else and and then being attached to all these machines and oxygen and it must have been horribly horribly frightening but then kind of putting in a a positive spin so so i um identifying that yeah, it was really scary, but it was in order to help them. It was in order to, to make sure that they were going to be healthy.
0: So you're reframing
1: yes. the reasoning,
0: the logic behind it.
1: Absolutely. Um, okay. and then working with whatever their symptoms are and kind of explaining that that, that happened for a reason. There's a reason that that they're they're behaving in this way. But now that they understand it, they don't need to behave that way anymore because they understand that they were anxious. They understand that they were frightened. And maybe sometimes they feel that way now, but now they have other options and kind of working with it that way while they're getting the, the bilateral stimulation.
0: Okay, so let me go to one of the questions. So uh, first of all, again, thank you to... Uh, the person sending a message that happy yeah, we're back. I appreciate that. Another message comes in. Hi, Rabbi. Thank you so much for um, the show. Happy for you, to have you back. And the question is for you, Dr. Bilman. I have a child that sometimes wakes up at night screaming, and they just go and they I don't know if it's a he or a she. They just go back to sleep. Can't verbalize anything specific. Can you help?
1: So possibly, sometimes that's what's called. I
0: would just, should I ask the listener maybe if they want to send the age of the child?
1: Um, or that wouldn't be, I don't think not that's necessary. necessary. Okay. So sometimes that's what's called night terrors, where we don't really understand why, but they just kind of have these night terrors they don't remember anything about what's happening. In that case, it's possible EMDR could be helpful, um, I'm not 100% sure, but it is more helpful when, when a child wakes up, knows they're scared, may not know why, but feels fearful, screams and cries, and might want to be with their parents all the time in that case, and might not want to go back to sleep. In that case, EMDR can be quite helpful.
0: So when the child is happy to go right back to sleep, which I had that with one of my children as well. So that wouldn't be an EMDR?
1: No, no, I, I don't think so.
0: Okay. So that's more EMDR would be more when you have a specific uh, time or, or, or when there's or reasoning or something or that. Or when
1: there's a fear. Um, in that case with with the night terrors, my understanding is that there's not necessarily a specific fear. It's more of like a physio- physiological reaction.
0: Okay. So uh, uh, when we go into EMDR and discuss more, be- uh, I want to bring in the physical angle. Um, I don't want to talk about snoozlin'. I don't want to talk about it because we're going to have a special show coming up about snoozlin' with some Snoozling therapists. But you are Snoozling um, certified. And you do have one, um, partnered, I have to be honest and say partnered with my wife on mm-hmm. that, uh, who's a great snoozing therapist on um, amazing th- snoozing therapist. Where does EMDR come in within the snoozing?
1: Good question. So I actually often refer my clients for this, for and therapy. So, so what I find is that. So
0: I will say those of you who want to know what snoozing is, uh, you'll have to wait because we're going to discuss it properly in one of the next shows. Please God. Uh but if you do want to know ahead of time who's going to be on the show and if that's the topic, just SMS your name to three four five one nine or telegram O six one eight nine five one oh one nine and you'll be sent a link to the group that you'll know ahead of time when this news will be discussed properly. But okay, go ahead.
1: So what I find with with a lot of my clients who are either coming to me because of trauma or anxiety or some other things. They they describe their nervous systems as being on all the time and and not being able to feel relaxed, not being able to to kind of calm those body sensations. So so that's one of the times that I would refer a client to the snoozlin room. Another time that I might refer them is is when they're really really struggling with something and just not able to be in the present. So I have tools that I can use to help them become more grounded and and be more present. Um, but what I've found is that the snoozlin Room can do it a lot quicker than I can. So that's another time. So today. it will
0: speed the process.
1: It'll speed the process, absolutely.
0: Okay. Um
1: Also with, with clients who are experiencing ADHD and maybe the medication either doesn't isn't a good fit for them or isn't working optimally. Um, this newsletter room and also your wife who happens to be an ADHD coach as well has, has been very helpful with that
0: to work in that area. Okay. So let's get practical for a minute and, and cause we are here for the listeners to see what we can do. Considering EMDR started their research on a walk up a river, which seems like something we can all do. What would you recommend? What are the things we can implement as movement at home? Are there things we can do with our kids on a practical level? Daily routines, things that will improve our stress, things that will help the environment at home. Just give us calmer homes, nicer days, et cetera.
1: So one of, one of the things that, that is really helpful is even just to help your kids or your family members identify their emotions and their body sensations just notice notice what thoughts they're having about themselves notice what emotions they're feeling and notice what body sensations they're having and and just noticing helps to kind of decrease the the charge around it
0: just the simple awareness
1: just the simple awareness and validating that it's okay it's not comfortable it's not nice but we'll 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 try and help you figure it out. We'll try and help you get through this.
0: So exactly like we see with anxiety, what the awareness how important it is when we talk about even when kids are having a sensory overload or adults are mm. having a sensory overload, just knowing what you're going through will already help you cope.
1: Absolutely. Um I remember one of one of my kids knew exactly what he wanted and he he wasn't verbal yet and he was screaming and crying and just saying to him, I know you're so frustrated, you know exactly what you want and I can't help you. It must be so hard for you. And that just calmed him down.
0: So being able to communicate on, on that level.
1: Yeah. And even for, even for kids who aren't verbal yet, even for kids who you don't think are, are understanding you, um, I mean, I've worked with with babies with EMDR, and you think that they don't get it, and they sit there, and you can tell they they're grasping what's happening, and and there's a shift. So
0: let's talk about babies because babies are usually the hardest kids to identify something's wrong, or they need the help, or something is is stressful, especially if you it's your first baby. What are the signs to look at? Because at the same time, all babies cry at night. And we're not expecting all mothers to say, oh, my baby cries at night. We need to go for her. No, babies cry at night. So what what are the signs? What do we need to look out for and say, hey, maybe we need to do something for this child?
1: So first of all, knowing the history is important. So if you know that they've had a traumatic birth or they've had a traumatic separation, then often, I mean... I suppose it's a little bit controversial, but but often just doing some preventive work and saying, okay, they went through this, let's make sure it doesn't become traumatic for them. It's some people would agree with that, some people wouldn't.
0: Okay, on a practical level, so so
1: so let's say with my son, for instance, um, just knowing that he he was in the NICU in the neonatal ICU for sixteen days, just that alone. Knowing what I know now, I would do EMDR regardless of of those reactions and responses that he had it to with the irrational outbursts. But often...
0: Even on simple things that we're about to do to let him know what's going to happen? Like to have the... I'll, I'll give you an example. I remember years ago, I don't know, maybe 20 years ago, a close friend um, came to visit me in the evening with his kid and they were, fell asleep in the car and I think his daughter was two at the time. He's actually a well-known politician today, but that's not part of the story. Uh, Anyways, and he picked up his daughter out of the car. She she was two years old and brought her in the house. And as he picked her up, he whispered in her ear. She was fast asleep. She was sleeping. He whispered, don't worry. I'm taking you out of the car. I'm taking you in the house. You're going to be in bed. Just so if she wakes up in a weird bed or a weird place, subconsciously she'll be a bit more aware.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Do you, do
0: you see that as well?
1: Absolutely. Um And then certainly with with certain babies, you know, obviously all babies have a lot of babies. I know some people think babies should be sleeping through the night at, at six weeks. I personally don't know very many of those. Um <laughs> But if, if babies are having major sleep issues, then that might be a warning sign. If if anything is is extreme, if
0: nothing works to calm the and baby down, yeah.
1: If nothing works to calm them down, you always need to check: is there a physiological issue? Is there something else medically happening? But if there's not, then so and and you'll, and so even you'll check if,
0: gas and reflux and yeah, and everything, and then if something's still wrong,
1: yeah. Then then potentially EMDR. Certainly, if there's been a a trauma, and. And even for a baby who experienced colic it's really not pleasant so so that could they could benefit from just really quick EMDR just to kind of help them through that when they're once it's once it's stopped
0: okay so basically. If you feel something's wrong or if you see something is extreme or there's nothing really happening or there's a change that you know happened, then just be aware.
1: Absolutely. Um, Mm. I I once did an EMDR session for someone who was, she was having seizures and she needed an MRI. um, And just to kind of prepare her for the MRI. Um,
0: Is there any recommended age for EMDR? No. Or anywhere between 0 to 120? anytime even after 120 (laughs) anytime okay so it's it it really and and you would use different methods for every age group
1: depending on yeah the age group their their cognitive abilities there might need to be some um, some tweaks Um,
0: okay I'm gonna ask you what the therapists don't like me asking who is it not for when do you see a client and say okay this is not for you I'm gonna refer you
1: so if they have absolutely no interest in being there. Okay. They
0: so even though it's a physical movement thing, you still need to be engaged and interested. It absolutely. Doesn't work. It doesn't
1: just happen.
0: Okay. No miracles.
1: No miracles. Um Shame. And, and you still for the most part you do have to talk about like some people think, you know, they come and they start with the eye movements right away. They don't have to talk about anything, and that's not the case. They ideally they need to identify what happened and talk about it a little bit. And 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 therapist always needs to know the history and needs to know what may have led to what they're experiencing now.
0: Do you use it besides trauma for other stuff?
1: Absolutely. Like what? Like anxiety, um, like self-esteem, confidence, pain, uh, physical pain.
0: Physical pain sounds interesting. Um, how you would work through the psychological pro- uh, process and with the m- eye movement, et cetera. But we will have to get the answer to that after the ad break. So in the meantime, we will take a short ad break. And when we come back, we'll continue the discussion to f- see what EMDR could do in other areas as well. Anything you want to know if EMDR could help you with or any questions you have about it or about anything we've been speaking about, or if you simply just want to know ahead of time who's going to be on the show, Please send a message to three four five one nine as a SMS line or telegram O six one eight nine five one oh one nine. A short ad break and we will be right back. Hi FM one hundred and one point nine megahertz of life. 101.9. We are back in the middle of a fascinating discussion with psychologist Dr. Aliza Billman, who is an EMDR um therapist and we were talking about other things than trauma that EMDR can help with, and one of them was actual physical pain. Before we go figure out how that works, an important announcement. The South African Jewish Board of Deputies would like to invite you to our Houten Council conference, taking place on Thursday, 10th of November. Our guest speaker is world-renowned historian ambassador Deborah Lipstadt. In In May this year, Lipstadt has a, appointed as, was appointed as the United States Special Envoy of for monitoring and Combating Antisemitism and is known for her court case against Holocaust denier David Irving as portrayed in the movie Daniel. Registration is essential and seating is limited. To register please go to www.sa.org jbd.org and book your tickets okay uh dr billman we are back how does emdr help for pain
1: so often with pain there's and talking about the chronic pain yeah absolutely so often with pain there's an associated trauma so for instance someone who has um, chronic migraines or migraines as south africans would call them okay. um or fibromyalgia or or even some sort of um disease so there's often trauma associated with that so let's say let's take fibromyalgia so we, we go back and we track the history and we look at earlier traumas that happened before the pain started Traumas that happened from f- after the pain and traumas specifically associated with the pain because the pain itself can be excruciating and traumatic. And then we, we process each of those memories.
0: Okay. So it's not helping the actual pain, but it's helping the anything that's added on the basic pain.
1: Anything that's added on, but it, at times, so at times we also experience pain, or body sensations in response to stress or trauma. So sometimes by addressing the actual stress and trauma, the, the pain itself decreases.
0: So meaning sometimes the pain is a body physical reaction to Absolutely. stress and trauma and things around there.
1: Absolutely.
0: Okay. So when we come to discuss the, the anxiety or stressful thoughts, what would you recommend in that Situation when it comes to anxiety, is it the same kind of work that we need to look at
1: in terms of Of the
0: EMDR, or there's, or you would use a different method? So
1: I I use EMDR. Um, I've there's a lot of research on EMDR and anxiety, um, and I found it to be extremely effective. And we look at kind of what situations when when it gets the worst. And in those situations, or one situation in particular, what's the negative thought that the person has about themselves? And it often might be something like, "I'm not good enough." Um, so, so let's say um, I saw someone who who was an executive at at a company and gave a lot of presentations, and he was actually an unbelievable speaker, and no one around him knew that he was experiencing anxiety. But before he had to give his presentation, he was having panic attacks that were almost debilitating. And, and we worked with that to decrease his anxiety and to increase his ability to give the presentations um, without experiencing that anxiety.
0: Okay. So uh, we, we're starting to get short in time, and I still want to speak about EMDR and addiction. And there's quite a bit we need to discuss. But another message coming in. Thank you, Rabbi. So I have a son that had a traumatic birth and has not slept properly as a baby. Now, as a teenager, he is a regular student. Would you recommend him having therapy anyway?
1: So it depends. Um, if there are no symptoms, not necessarily Um but th- I I think that can I'm
0: assuming if the question came in, there are some symptoms, or no, just uh, worried Jewish mother.
1: <laughs> so I don't know. So, so it depends what he's experiencing. It depends, it depends if it's affecting him in any way. Um,
0: so if you don't see anything and it's not affecting anything, then let it go.
1: I would say, if, yeah.
0: Okay. Only if you see something and feel something's wrong, then maybe look into it.
1: That's right.
0: Okay okay um addiction
1: addiction okay
0: where does that come into plan i'm not even going to ask questions just go for it
1: okay so emdr is used for addictions um there are two models that have been quite effective with addictions one was developed by aj popke um, and that's about reducing the urge Um, another approach is called uh i can't think of the acronym but it's about the underlying need that, that's not being met. So for instance, if someone started using drugs because they, they felt connected or they felt that high and, and continued using drugs because they kept wanting to replicate that experience, um, the EMDR looks at those experiences and kind of tracks back where they first felt it, what need it was fulfilling, and it takes that need and reduces the, the positive experience. Even at
0: a late um, point of addiction, like somebody who's been properly addicted, is it still an, uh, an option to look back where it started or is it a bit too late and we need to use other methods? So
1: in that case, that's not my area of specialty, um, I know for some people it is, but they often integrate EMDR with other approaches. And, and with like
0: the rehabs, 12 absolutely. steps, et cetera. And
1: I, th- I think, in any case, if, if the addiction has gotten, gotten to a stage where they would, would consider rehab, I think doing the rehab in addition to the EMDR is really important.
0: Okay. When, when do we start identifying the beginning stages of addiction? Because that's, that's kind of the time that EMDR would be effective. When it's just starting, when we are worried, when we don't know, is a pers- is our child really addicted? Not what's happening. Where would you put the guidelines there?
1: Um, so again, not not my area. If you wouldn't. <laughs> okay, <laughs> not my careful. area of specialty. Okay. But but just to remember that with any addiction therapy, the person has to identify that there's a problem. So if they're not identifying there's a problem, it's, and, and identifying that they need help, it's really hard to work with.
0: That's about going for help. But as, a, as, if you're looking at your spouse, at your child, at somebody you care for, you love, and you want to start addressing it with them in a safe way, or, or you would leave that.
1: Um, I would refer to someone else. You would refer to someone else.
0: Okay. A lot of times I, when I speak to young people and I, they tell me, no, I just enjoy whatever I do. And I always ask them, I'll say, do you feel 100% good? And then when you take whatever you take, you go up to 110? Or do you feel like 90 and then what you take is making you feel 100%? and it's a weird question but many times they'll come back and say no i think i'm i'm kind of trying to feel 100% with it and and even though they're not at an addiction stage yet fully they can already start picking up their awareness with different methods that we can look at but we'll we'll will use the emdr maybe as an addition to the addiction Okay, that's fascinating. Uh, we have a bit more to discuss, but we are getting to the end of the show and I know we have to end and we do have to take an ad break. So any comments, any questions, anybody, if you want to ask, comment, say, or just want to know ahead of time who's going and what to be in this show and what topics we're going to have, send the SMS to 34519 or telegram 061 895 1019. We will take a short ad break and we will be back. Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. 101.9. We are at the end, actually, pretty much of our show today. Today we spoke with Dr. Aliza Billman, who is uh, part of the EMDR, she's an EMDR a qualified therapist and registered therapist, and as well as um, a part of the association of EMDR South Africa, who just launched a few uh, months ago, and kind of went through many stuff. We didn't manage a lot of things to discuss if you would have to summarize what is the message that EMDR South Africa wants to to send like what do we need to know to use the potential of EMDR for the community in in the 2 minutes that we have left.
1: Ooh, that's a tough question.
0: Yeah no no one said these shows are easy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um so so I think you know we're living in a country where there's a lot of trauma and and I think one of the most important things that, that we do want people to know is that there is help for it, and we don't have to walk around traumatized. We don't have to walk around with fears. We don't have to walk around with um, with poor self-esteem, poor confidence, feeling like we're not good enough. Um, EMDR is a highly researched method of therapy, and it's it's... Um, the World Health Organization recommends EMDR for the treat- as a first-line treatment for trauma. So there is help. And, and
0: can I say it's never too late?
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: Never too late. I, I, just a few months ago, I was to somebody who had a major trauma 20 years ago, and he's still challenged, and I asked him would you want to take care of it? He said, it's too late, and it's not.
1: No, it's never too late.
0: Okay. So if anybody wants to be in contact with you or with the uh, EMDR Association or directly through you, how do they get in contact?
1: So my email address is aliza, A-L-I-Z-A-725 at gmail.com. Um, if anyone wants to be in touch with uh, with EMDR South Africa, the email address is southafrica.emdr at gmail.com.
0: Okay. Amazing. Thank you so much for being with us. Sorry we didn't get to even speak about the organizations you're part of and other stuff that you do in the community. It is a lot, but our show is an hour. So we'll have to end with that. So really, really appreciate it for uh, being part of the show today and looking forward to maybe discuss at later times different topics and different aspects that we did not speak about today. That's it for today and today's show, uh, has come to an end. We will be back next week, please God, two to three every month, like we do every Monday to see what we can do to improve ourselves, our community, and just learn what are the topics that we should be discussing and discuss, not hide, not cover, just be an open space to talk about anything important for our mental health, our emotional health, our health, health of the community, health of our families. In the meantime, stay safe, keep well, and we will be back here next Monday, two to three. Have a great day.